Hi, everybody. Um, my name's Jane Dauncey. I'm a drama producer based in Wales. Um, I'm actually moonlighting at the moment from a shoot. Uh, but welcome to BAFTA Cymru's TV career session, which is part of our uh, Guru Live online spring 2021 programme. Uh, BAFTA Cymru is running a joint initiative with BAFTA Scotland to celebrate and inspire a new generation of Scottish and Welsh talent with a week of special panels and masterclasses. And today's session is supported by Screen Alliance Wales, Pontiac and Bangor University. Uh, all these virtual events are part of BAFTA's learning work to share expertise from film, game and television with audiences far and wide. If you check out BAFTA.org and all of BAFTA's social channels for more activity and news, you can join the conversation on social using the hashtag, hashtag Guru Live, Guru Live all one word. Um, you can ask your questions anytime during this session and please send them in via the Q&A button at the bottom of your Zoom. We have 45 minutes in which I'll ask open questions to our panel of three and then we'll go over to the questions that you guys have put in. So without more dithering, could I please welcome our three speakers? So David P. Davis, who is executive producer at Bad Wolf, which is a huge and very successful drama company. Suan Phillips, who is head of production at Boom Cymru, a very broad-based production company that makes all kinds of things. Um, and Zoe Rushton, who is talent executive at BBC Studios. So where we're going to start is, uh, I just wanted to ask first David and then perhaps Zoe to give us a quick overview of the television industry in Wales. Go David. Great, yeah, so thanks for having me here. Uh, so I think that right now, like where the, the television industry in general is, you know, it's just going through a boom period. Um, and especially in South Wales, there's like, there's numerous projects shooting. I work for Bad Wolf and we've got, I'm myself, I'm doing a show called Industry that's gonna start shooting in July um, and His Dark Material season three is about to go. And like, I know that it's going through a boom period because crewing up for those shows is extremely difficult. We keep getting this phrase, which is like, it's extremely busy out there, which is starting to become the most boring phrase that somebody repeats to me on a daily basis. Uh, but it's great for the industry, uh, you know, as a whole, whether your crew or like editorial or your scripts or you're a director producer whatever it is um right now we're definitely i think in kind of like a golden age of television production uh and especially in south wales you know not just from like the production companies that are sort of based in south wales like boom and like bad wolf um i think urban myth have their their offices in south wales as well um but also just people who are using wales as like a filming location so like we've got lots of hollywood projects that we're just competing against for crew and for talent so yeah it's a great place to be thank you um zoe do you want to talk a little bit about the the kind of range of work that this industry this growing industry in wales is is crying out for 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously David comes from a drama world. Um, my world is more factual, entertainment, music, that kind of thing. So, um, but in general, I mean, the range of jobs that people haven't even thought of is incredible. I mean, when people say, oh, you know, I'd love to work in telly or film, it's often either your directors or your craft, you know, camera, sound, that kind of thing. But we're finding that we're just not getting people coming through who want to do the sort of production management side, um, the sort of hidden roles, if you like, um, which range, you know, you, you start off doing sort of office admin and things like that. And I always say, you know, if you're going to go into an admin job anyway, as your sort of entry level role, then surely it's much more fun to do it on a TV production than in Admiral or something, you know? So please, you know, don't don't write off those kind of hidden roles and, and we're doing as much as we can to kind of raise the profile of those roles. I mean, if you think about a TV production, yes, you've got all the creative roles, but you've got all the admin roles, you've got all the kind of HR recruiting, you've got, you know, business affairs, legals and stuff like that there's a whole host of jobs that you know you can easily google and find out about um and there's because they're not so well known there's a huge gap in the market for them and we're crying out for production coordinators production assistants that kind of thing think, if i jump in as somebody who sort of bridges between what david does and zoe does because at boom we do drama but we also do a lot of non-drama and um I think Wales is becoming such a strong production hub at the moment. There's so many initiatives to commission more um, content from the nations and regions. Um, you know, Channel 4 and the BBC have committed to it. There's been such a strong drama hub here for such a long time. And I think that non-scripted is catching up really quickly. Um, there's lots of new and exciting but sustainable commissions coming out of Wales at the moment. So I think it's sort of, I think David said, the golden age really. Um, and what we have to do is sort of encourage new entry level because we do need to catch up with the need. There's a demand and we need to provide the need for it and support that new level industry across every genre that we're producing. I think one little hint from me, as well as Googling, but if you watch a lot of television or film, you get to that point in the show where they're rolling the credits at the end and sometimes they do seem to go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. But what they are listing is everybody who supported that, that filming. So, you know, you're down to the chauffeur for the stars or, you know, the electricians. There are so many interesting roles. And um, also the roles that were always a mystery to me, like what actually does a grip do? Well, I mean, a grip just works with everything that a camera sits on. But that actually can be complicated. It can be a dolly, it can be a slider, it can be... But, you know, there's so, so many really, really interesting roles that people just never think about. And I think when we do a lot of outreach work with schools and colleges, um, you don't... When you say to people, do you know that we have accountants? Do you know that we need chefs? We need catering. We need carpenters. We need... It's not people in front of the camera and behind the camera in terms of producer-directors. So I think... Again, it's sort of very important to sort of, you know, get that message out there that, like Zoe said, the variety of roles is huge. I wonder, David, whether you, 
perhaps you and Sioan could give us a quick heads up on who the main company players are in Wales at the minute. Um, in terms of people who um, service service us, if you, if you like. I think both, yes, that's a good, good call. Um, so, I mean, just because you were talking about all of the different, almost like trades people really, who work on a film set, like, and you don't really think of like, um, whatever, whatever film needing like plumbers, needing sparks, um, but they do, you know? Um, and so uh, we use a company called Forward quite a lot um, that do all of our construction, the building of the sets, um, all of that sort of stuff. And we've got, uh, we use a company called Painting Practice. These are all companies that have kind of um, been set up or have been able to be elevated because of all of the amazing work that's happening in South Wales right now in the, you know, the big kind of big HBO size productions. Uh, so like Painting Practice who do um, all of the kind of puppeteering and stuff for, uh, and the design for his dark materials and forward you design all of our sets. And, you know, and another company, I think we're gonna come on to that kind of element of it a little bit later, but Screen Alliance Wales, um, that was, I think was set up by Bad Wolf, but also help um, service all of our shows in terms of, in terms of finding trainees and things like that. I've got some facts and figures, which I can quote later, um, but they're like the three big ones really that I think that are just, that service us and are keeping South Wales thriving. How about you, Sioan? What would you say? Um, ours is a bit different to David because we don't do things, we, we're not sort of on the same scale as those kind of productions. But most of the people that we use, we sort of rely on our freelance community. Um, you know, we've got lots of really fantastic heads of departments here working in Wales across our dramas and they sort of can crew up themselves. But most of our work is sort of non-drams, non-scripted. So we don't need those big service companies, but we do use a lot of freelancers. I think we have about 150 people on staff, but I'd say that possibly, depending on what else is going on and if we've got a drama, we're employing about 100 to 150 freelancers at the same time. So our sort of, um, our core is that talented baseline freelancer availability in Wales at the moment. Yeah, I'd second that as well. I mean think a big sort of company like BBC Studios would mainly be staff people but we've got about 15 continuing staff that's all and then about 150 freelancers at any one time so um most of the jobs at the moment well not at the moment that's the way it's going to be you know a project based you get employed for that particular project and then you go to a you know, boom or bad wolf for somewhere else for your next project. You know, it's not jobs for life like like it was, you know, years ago. I've just realised um, something I think is worth pointing out is 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 the bit that isn't the tip of the iceberg. So post production mm. is also a massive employer, um, whether it's post production runners. Or, or assistant editors, editors. And then there is a whole world of uh, track lay, meaning fiddling with the sound, music composition, music copyright. Um, and again, these are the, the sort of hidden jobs. Mm. Um, but if you, if you as an individual, you're able to identify your strengths and your interests, 
there probably is a job that will suit you. Yeah. Um, you may just need to dig around for it. Um, I, was, I was just gonna. I was actually gonna mention uh, Bang SFX, who do who did the 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 sound for us on industry, uh, and also Gorilla, where we did all of our um, online, so the the post production there. Uh, and so you know, and they're you know great South Wales based companies as well mm -hmm. that we that are that service us and we service them, and so there are a lot of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Gorilla is. Um, I'm sure you know. Gorilla comes under the boom umbrella. And they are fantastic. Um, Rich, who runs Gorilla, is fantastic at bringing in new entry level wherever he possibly can. And the demand has grown so quickly that Gorilla is another company that if that's where your interest lies, it's always worth sort of keeping an eye on their website and seeing what's available because there's so much need for new technical um, skilled people as well. Could, could you talk a little bit, perhaps let's start with Zoe, about the the general entry points into <clears throat> which I'm afraid is a huge subject. It is a huge subject, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you speak to anyone in telly or film and the way they've come in and moved through the system as like is always different. Like it's really interesting because no matter who you speak to on set or in the office, all of us have come through a different route. Me personally, um, I started in the year 2000 on two weeks work experience, unpaid, um, and then just got kept on as like a casual, um, just making tea, running tapes around because everything was on tape then, uh, and then got employed for like three months and then it just went on and on and I've never left. So, um, and then other people have come through a more kind of formal route of maybe an apprenticeship, or a sort of graduate traineeship if they've been to uni or whatever, there's, there's ways through like that where they've come through a more kind of structured route. But mostly it's just picking up one job, which then leads to another job. You know, it's a very people-based industry where um, the more contacts you can make, the better off you're gonna be. I mean, there's so many networking sessions available now on Zooms, you know, Screen Skills Run Them, Screen Alliance Wales, BAFTA, RTS. Like, there are so many opportunities to sort of meet and speak to other industry people um, that there's no excuse not to make contacts really. And, and if you can get actual names of people to email in companies, it's a lot easier when they've kind of virtually met you already than just cold calling you know and and, and spending speculative cvs which might ne never get to the person um but yes i mean we uh, we have an apprenticeship scheme that's live at the moment and that ranges funny you should mention grip you know in drama there's grip there's costume there's art department um there's some journalism ones there in ours it's a general production in in factual so that's a kind of a more structured route. But then I'd say, you know, starting as a runner, picking up daily work, weekly work on set, so you can build your CV and get some credits. You know, it, that's, that's kind of the usual way people move through it. Do you, David, do you want to give a quick shout out for Screen Alliance? Oh, I'm going to yeah. give a shout out for women in film and television as well, which is 
an excellent group. You don't actually have to be a woman. Um, I, I think there have been huge opportunities through lockdown for free access to both training and networking. That I think will continue and, and just get on it, I would say. Sorry, David. No, that's, a, that's okay. So um, yeah, Screen Alliance Wales, which was uh, set up in conjunction with Bad Wolf, um, and we like I'm a huge um, supporter of fair and equal um, employing like opportunities for employing, especially within the industry, uh, which has been forever like coffee shop kind of based interviews. And it makes it a closed circuit, not necessarily deliberately, but almost just by the design of the way that it works. So actually just being able to advertise um, openly in a way that most other industries do, like I think is a great thing. Um, and that is something that Screen Alliance Wales or SOAR does uh, in, I'm just gonna read some facts and figures that they've helpfully sent through for me. It's like, so in 2020, 2021, there was 94 jobs that were advertised, 10 plus companies generating two and a half thousand applications um, 20 out of 22 Welsh local authorities, 40% from Cardiff, 39% of applicants were Welsh speakers, 54% of them were applicants, uh, applicants were female, like there's more and more and more uh, stats that I could read, um, but I don't need to, I mean, I just think that it's, it's, it's like an amazing thing on industry, I've advertised like all of my script editor roles and things like that, and when I was looking for a new assistant, like everything gets advertised so that it doesn't matter where you are i mean we you do need to be aware of the platform of course and they're doing more and more and more to make themselves known world wider um but basically it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are or what you're doing it's like you can advertise you can apply for the job like any other job um and i think that's a great thing I, i'm just gonna put a little very negative spin in here um because I think we're all really enthusiastic about what we do and love our jobs. I think it is always worth flagging that it is highly competitive. Um, and and you, you just need to stay strong, not to have your heart broken. But if you are determined um, and, and you can bounce back from a lot of no's, um, then you will get there. But it is competitive. And uh, David was just giving a quickie figure about how many applicants they had. Um, and I think that's worth noting. So that when you get no's, you don't take it personally. You just go, well, I was one in a hundred there in that race. Mm. And that time I lost it. What do I do to strengthen my CV or strengthen my attitude or improve my interview skills or whatever? Um, you do have to, I don't know if fight is the right word, but you do have to stick at it, don't you? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think that um, in this, in, you know, I work a lot in development as well, and like you hear way more no's than you do yeses, actually. Um, mm. And that's like at all stages, whether it's trying to get a new gig as a whatever, a producer director or a script editor, uh, whether you're trying to get your show green lit, um, you know, whether you're trying to get your show a second series, like it's it, it's it's much more likely that you're going to hear no than you are going to hear yes. But you just need to keep at it because keeping at it is how you get the yes eventually. 
Um, so just, yeah, don't be disheartened, for sure. I wonder if Zoe and Suan, you'd like to talk about, you know, what you need to do to break in, um, CVs, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, do you know, Zoe and I have had discussions about CVs. Um, I can't, I can't underestimate the importance of a good CV because as we just discussed, it's such a competitive um, industry that you can be inundated and you need your CV to be concise and clear um, and to the point. So, you know, I know that um, if it's of any help to anyone, I know the BBC Academy website has got a really good page on writing a CV for the industry, specific for the industry. Um, I know that Screen Skills also run a free course on um, preparing CVs, and I'd urge anybody to sort of go back and have a look at those and sort of relook at your CV to make it sort of the best it possibly can be um, for those people. I don't, I, I know you agree with that, Zoe, don't you? And um, yeah, you get a lot more than I do, in fact. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'd say, um, especially with entry level, um, Say, for example, you see a shout out on Facebook runners group or whatever, um, and it's specific, it'll, it'll always specifically ask for looking for a runner for next Monday who has worked with talent and can drive. So, that clearly, those are the two main things that the company is looking for. So, when you send your CV, spend half an hour before you send your generic CV tailoring your CV and just save it for that particular you know, response. And right at the top, you put, I've got a full clean driving license and I've worked with big name talent. You know, So the first thing that the hiring manager sees is that you've exactly what they need. And I'd say it's always worth doing that before you send any CV to anyone, if it's, if it's in a response to an ad or a shout out. Obviously, when you're doing, um, when you're just speculatively sending a CV to a company or to somebody, you know, asking if they've got any opportunities, you've got to sort of take a punt and make it a bit more generic. But I'd say, especially when starting out, because you're not going to have loads and loads of experience and we wouldn't expect you to because you're at entry level. But that sort of bit at the top with bullet point skills is what's going to get you noticed, you know? So even if you've only worked, you know, in retail or, you know, waitress, waiter, or waitress, though there are transferable skills there that you can put right at the top to get, to get you noticed. You've worked with people, perhaps you've worked with money, you know, you've been trusted to do certain things, key holder, whatever, and they, they are the sort of skills that are trans transferable, definitely. I get quite a lot of people asking me for either work experience or, or work. And the thing that most annoys me is the dear sir or madam, because in the age of the internet and Google, there is no excuse for that. And I am much more likely to get back to you if you write, you know, dear Jane, I absolutely loved your most recent program, blah, 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 because I'm a sucker, like- Everybody a, is, yeah, um, yes. And then the other thing I, I think that's really helpful before you press go on a covering letter or a CV is to look at it from, as it were, my point of view, the busy employer with the stack and just go, well, you know, 
it's very valid for you to say, I am an assistant editor and what I want to do is I want to work on this, I want to work on that. Okay, fine. But what I'm looking for is what can you do for me? So if you think it through from my position, what can you do for me? You, you may be able to clean my fridge, make my coffee. More um, importantly, because you will be younger, you will probably have social media skills, publicity skills, yeah. editing skills, technological skills that I do not have. So please tell me about them because I'll be happy then. And also like do your homework on the company hmm. is, is so important. Like I've seen so many times people, often when you get to interview stage actually, when the sort of icebreaker question is often like, right, tell us what you've been watching on TV lately. What have you been enjoying? Like, it's so easy to gain a few brownie points there. You know, just do a bit of homework beforehand and say that, oh, I really enjoyed his dark materials or something. If you go and, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it just shows respect for, for the people interviewing you. It shows that you've taken time even if it's not something you'd usually watch, you know, because you're taking it seriously, you've done your homework, done a bit of research, and it's just such an easy, quick fix, you know, and, and you can Google the company, look at what productions it makes. Because um, often people assume if it's on ITV, it's made by ITV, or if it's on BBC, it's made by BBC. Well, it's, it's not at all, you know, it's 90% of the time it's made by an independent company. So make sure you do your homework for sure. And that helps with cover cover emails as well. If you can drop that in the cover email, I really, as you said, Jane, you know, I really enjoyed your show last week about so-and-so, so-and-so. It just shows respect and it shows you've done your homework and you've taken it seriously. And just picking up on that, I mean, it's, it's everything that you're saying. It's also just to be kind of as specific as you possibly can be because the amount of times that people will send me an email that was like, I absolutely loved his dark materials. It was my favorite show of all time. And it's like, yes, I work at Bad Wolf. I didn't actually work on his dark materials. That has nothing to do with me. So you're if, if you want to work on that show and you love that company because of that, actually emailing me is not the right person. You should be emailing Dan McCulloch, who is better than I am and would love the email, but just send it to the right person, basically. Yeah. Or if you're applying for a specific show, at least have watched the show. Because yeah, that's, that's... I, I have yeah. honestly interviewed people for specific shows who have never watched it. Yeah. Um, I would also say, for me, um, in the drama world, that a clean driving licence is a real asset. I, I mean, I know, you know, it's, it's expensive. Um, to, to pass your test, but I do have sometimes just to rule out people on the grounds that they can't drive, so they're not gonna be able to get to where I need them roaming around. Um, so if you can possibly blag it, borrow cars, et cetera, et cetera, I think it's a real investment in your career in, yeah. in certain roles. Are there any kind of really common mistakes that uh, drive you guys nuts when people are approaching you or when you see their CVs? So it says yes. Yeah. Um, to, to going back to basics, I think 
as you can imagine, yeah. I get a lot of speculative CVs saying, you know, can can you keep me on file for any future work, which is great. I normally try and reply to everyone, but obviously sometimes things get overlooked, but I do file them all. Um, and you can imagine if, say, you get like 20 CVs in a day and then you, you, you want to file them into like runners, researchers, directors, whatever, and... Yeah it just comes to you as my latest CV dot doc. And it's like, oh, gee. so now that means the hiring manager or me has to go into the CV, rename it, work out what who it is, what the job is, you know, May 21. And then, so and, and to, I might do that if I've got a spare few minutes, but an exec producer or producer is not going to have the time or the will to do that. So they'll probably get binned. So please remember, you know, when you're sending CVs out, clearly, you know, name, job, and it helps to have like May 2021 as well. So we know how long it was. That's a really simple thing, but you'd be amazed how many um, people send them in with just CV. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is have, have a professional email address. We've had some wild... <laughs> email addresses and it doesn't make you look very professional <laughs> so maybe set up a new account to, that you use for work <laughs> that's quite interesting that tightrope walk between the personal and standing out and the professional because yes I know exactly what what Zoe is on about when you get an email address that says pinky squirrel at <laughs> pardon um and sometimes I do get sent, you know, majorly multicolored CVs with lots of fancy fonts. And again, for me, that is a bit of a turn off. But I, I also understand that, you know, you, uh, applicant, you need to be you. You know, I, we are looking, it's a creative world, and we are looking to find out who are you. Um, so that's a kind of challenge, really. There's no solution to that, I don't think. Um, it, it's, you know, again, it's what what are my real strengths? What is my awful word? There's an awful word in television called your unique, what is it, USP? Unique sales point? Selling it? point, yeah. Selling point, or unique selling point, sorry. Um, and everybody has one. Um, it, it's asking yourself what is it really and and identifying it I mean, rather than be pretending to be somebody you're not which is always a catastrophe particularly um at interview i once pretended to speak good italian um for a job interview and the person interviewing me was an italian oh god very very messy and embarrassing um does anyone have any other you know big avoid this at all costs kind of no let's have a, a, a can anyone give us some help on you know how do you find jobs where are they advertised where do you look I think we've a bit touched on it but um... yeah I think it's changed quite a lot um you know I, I can speak from what we do at uh, boom everything we do goes on our website but there's more sort of sharing on social media because we don't want to sort of always be reliant like David was saying, of going back into that same old circle. So there's a huge drive on Get Boom at the moment to get our jobs 
and um, training opportunities out to as wide and diverse community as we possibly can. Um, we do use talent manager, production base. We use Screen Alliance Wales a lot. I, I second what David said about they're great. You know, Alison and the team are just a driving force. And I think that's going to go from strength to strength in helping us um, bring more people into the industry. But at entry level, I think one of the best tips I'd give is look at the company websites um, because they do try and get the word out there, but that's sort of on you to go and sort of look who the big players are, look at all the different independents in Wales and go for them, but to join some of the Facebook groups, because when you're looking for that last minute sort of runner or, you know, it's not even just um, entry level roles. It can, sometimes you need a production manager next week because something's come up. There's a few good Facebook groups um, where they're posted constantly. And I think when you get that first in, um, because you might have the driving license or you might have the skills and stuff. Once your face is known, it's really easy then to keep getting known. And also people like Zoe and myself and a lot of people across Wales who are crewing will post, or we might see somebody else's post and go, oh, hang on, what about this person? Because we do have a network um, and it's sort of easy for anyone to join those Facebook groups and follow them. Um, and it's a, it's a great way of sort of trying to get new people into the industry, not just relying on the same old faces that we always go back to. Um, I just wanted to, to ask you guys a little bit about, so you've landed your first job. How then do you stand out, make a good impression, keep working? David, do you want to have a go at that? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a great question and it's, it, it literally depends on the role um, that you're obviously that you're that you're doing. Um, but I think that at like an entry level role, especially at an indie, I've worked within the BBC as well, and it was ever so slightly different there because obviously it's like a behemoth of an organisation, and everyone has their own lanes a little bit more. Um, that's not a catch-all rule, to be fair. Uh, but like at an indie especially like the teams tend to be a lot smaller. So you may have interviewed to be whatever, like an assistant script editor, but like if you need somebody to just help run on this shoot for three days or something, then be that person who wants to do anything essentially within reason um, to uh, just make yourself available, I think is the, is, is the key to to yeah at entry level for sure just being willing to muck in wherever is necessary uh, even if it's not necessarily the lane that you wanted to be doing because the people above you will notice and appreciate and it's also it's good for you to learn you know you might not be what you want to do but the more experience you have across more different departments i started as a runner which i think is the best possible way because i dipped into everything and then i had sort of the grounding behind me of choosing what i thought my my skill might might be might still be questionable. I'm not sure, but um, I think David's right. Just embrace every opportunity you're given and do it to the best of your ability because it will stand you in good stead for yourself as well in terms of sort of experiencing as much as you possibly can. I'd and, and if you can get you, you know once you get on to it's it's quite hard to know from from when you just started out exactly what path you want to go down and actually life would be pretty boring if you just stayed in one lane all the way but I mean when you sort of get onto set or in the office 
as long as you pick your moment, it's fine to ask questions of, of people around you. Like, obviously, if they're going for a take, you're going to stand at the back and shut up. But there are going to be times when they're setting up for the next scene or whatever, if you're in drama. And, you know, if you're interested in sound, if you're a runner, but you're interested in sound, for example, then there'll be a time where, that you know, there's a bunch of people standing around the tea table. And it's it's you can pick that opportunity to ask questions of, of the soundie who will absolutely love talking to you about sound because people in telly love talking about telly. So they, they're going to be delighted if you take an interest in what they're doing and ask them some questions, as long as it's not, you know, relentless and annoying. Um, but if you pick your moment where, where someone's quiet and, and offset, you know, ask questions, find out more, because that's how you learn which, which avenue floats your boat, really. Should we just have a positive, what, who inspires you in telly? Who, you know, what's your dream? Where do you want to be? David? Uh, I knew you were going to come to me first. Oh, right. uh, <laughs> uh, who inspires me? Like, I'm inspired. It's uh, um, a great question. So, look, I, I really like the kind of the creative heads. I, I work in scripted, like I'm a drama guy, right? So all my stuff is always that way. So I really like, I mean, like she's my boss, so I would I would be remiss if I didn't mention her, right? But like Jane Tranter and Julie Gardner and Andy Harries and Jane Featherstone, oh. these people who are, and Patrick Spence over at ITV, these people who are like amazing creatives who have made some of the best TV that basically kind of made co-pros in that way, like these big ambitious dramas that will exist on Netflix. And, you know, you look at the success of Chernobyl or you look at the success of The Crown that have made Hollywood look at Britain and be like, actually, I'll have some of that, which is which helps South Wales, which has helped Wales for sure with the, the filming opportunities because of the work of some of these amazing people. Um, so that's kind of like where I would want to get to. Like I would love to own my own slice of that pie and to be able to be like, I wholly created and managed and put outputted this TV programme. Um, How about you, Zoe? Um, for me, it's the people who get out there and tell their own stories and docs. I have such respect for good documentary filmmakers. And I think these days, if you're this, if you're just starting out and you and you you're interested in docs, then not only can you learn by really analyzing the wealth of docs that are out there across, you know, Netflix, Amazon, BBC, Channel 4, all commissioning and showing amazing documentaries. Um, so you can learn from those by thinking, by looking at it, and then di dissecting like what, how they make it, what's the structure, and then these days, I mean, even just iPhones and basic editing, if you you, you can find stories and you know learn your trade by just going out there and doing it. I mean, obviously, different to drama, it's it's much more high spec, budget needs to be big, but telling stories, you know, for docs, you can do quite basically even with podcasts and stuff these days and the way to learn is just by getting out there and doing it. Sion what about you? Well I thought about this because I think often we sort of think who inspires you you sort of look at those who are ahead of you in your career have done more than you but I've got to be honest I'm sort of inspired by all our production teams on a daily basis I look at them and the sort of when they've got 
budgetary complications or time scales. And they just do a fantastic job and come up with answers every day. And they do this day in, day out. So I've got a huge respect for everybody who works you know, in production. Personally, on, on my journey, I've been very, very lucky. I've had some fantastic mentors who've taken a chance on me. Um, the, the, the first person who sort of took a chance on me was a lady called um, Gwenda Griffith, who's formidable in Welsh TV. She really took a chance on me. And then my current boss, Nia Thomas at Boom, who's the MD, you know, she took a huge chance on me 10 years ago, putting me into this role and has mentored me every day. And I always kind of, that's where I aim to be and that's who I want to be as good as. So I, um, I guess that's my day to day, but also I think, you know, everyone who works in it deserves us to doff our hats to them. Brilliant. I'm just going to click on the Q&A now and could, these are what the listeners have put in and just see if we can run through a few of those. Uh, can, can you other guys, David, Zoe, Sion, can you see them all as well? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, oh, there's some lovely specific ones here, isn't there? I've just spotted one about shadowing, and, and I know because I was on a call with Alison from Screen Alliance Wales, and she said that very soon, you know, because government guidelines are going to be relaxed a bit, that in the summer they'll definitely be opening that up. And same for us at BBC, our work experience had to shut down for a year. Um, but we're hoping that's going to be up and running in the summer and we offer that four times a year on different productions. So that, there's a quick answer to one for you. There's an interesting next two that sort of belong to each other, I think, about long hours, lack of certain protections um, and the healthy work-life balance. Yeah. So would anyone, I tell you, actually, I can do that. Um, I think, I think actually those of us in these industries, we, we need to, you know, unite and, and kind of be vocal about making sure that people are not broken by their jobs. Um, I mean, I'm shooting at the moment and, you know, we're not very far in and I have people in tears on a daily basis and I think it's wrong and we are doing absolutely everything we can to sort it out. Um, I think with the lower paid roles, I, I don't think you, you should be offered or you should accept anything that is below minimum wage. Um, and if you are, you know, there are trade unions, there's back to, um, you need to get your case heard and, and you need allies. Um, any production company or production worth working for will not rip you off. Uh, and if people are asking you to do way too much for too little, don't do it. You know, we have to stay strong and get united about that one. Has anybody got any tips on work-life balance? There isn't any. <laughs> um. I think you have to sort of, I think there's never been more emphasis on this and it's really important at the moment, but what, what I try and encourage is that everybody can, um, but it's not unacceptable to put your hand up and say, do you know what, 
I need help or I'm doing too many hours. I think there needs to be sort of a clear communication with your line manager or even further up the chain. And we really try and sort of promote that because um, it is a very different culture to when people like I joined 25 years ago, you know, um, and we need to sort of be kind to ourselves, but also to each other. And I think we're all in this together and there's a joint responsibility and from companies and employers to make sure that we're getting this right, you know, because it is um, a team effort and a, and a happy team makes life easier for everybody. I think um, it's always it's always a, it's always a tricky one. This I, I remember for a very very long time. I mean, Zoe, you'd probably be able to tell me now whether it still exists. But on the BBC application forms, it always would say that drama, you know, has unpredictable and long hours. Um, and it's 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 just it's just the truth. Like we shoot for like ten hours on camera. It can be twelve hours days if you work in costume and makeup in particular. Then you ha you're there earlier and you're de-rigging after. Um, so it can be tough, but like, I just sort of want to say that like, it's just, it's also up to your employees to just make sure that like, when you can give time back, it's taken back and that people don't take it for granted. You know, I'm of the opinion that like my script editors, if it's five o'clock and they're sort of done, then they should go home because there'll be another day where we have to get scripts out or we're doing a end the day before filming and I might need them to say till eight o'clock. So there needs to be some give and take with it. Um, but it, it, it just, we may as well just be honest. It's not a nine to five job. This no, isn't a nine to five definitely job. not. And, yeah. and, you, and there, you do have to accept that, don't you? And you have to accept that it could be your mum's birthday, but you're stood in a field in the middle of Wales filming a drama. You can't be there. You know, that's just, you can't say, I can't come to set tomorrow. You know, it's my birthday. You, you, you've just got to suck it up. But, you know, when it becomes dangerous and people aren't getting adequate breaks and stuff, and that's when you've got to flag it. I mean, it, really, if it feels wrong, it usually is wrong and you should call it out, Is you know. And it's much better, as Truman says, you know, it's, it's way better than it was even five years ago. Yeah, for sure. There are some useful lobbying groups as well. There's an organisation for parents within the industry. Um, and again, women in film and television, because I think this freelance life is discriminatory against women who want to have children. Um, you know, you look at most women at the top of television and uh, quite a few of them do not have children. It is changing. And I think it's down to all of us to keep it moving, honestly. And there's an interesting question here from Ntuba Ntuba about how hard is it for a foreign national without a British accent uh, to work as an actor in British shows. Is that one for you, David? Yeah, I mean, I would say that there's no discrimination in the casting process as long as you fit the brief, I guess, which sort of by its very nature is discriminatory because we might be looking for a woman 20s 30s with a northern accent right so like obviously if you if you can do that it doesn't actually matter where you're from and black actors especially in the united kingdom often go to america daniel kalua play an american win an oscar um idris elba he got his break in america 
playing an American and then we we lord them then and they come back and they get their own TV shows or whatever it is. So I, I think I'm answering that question, which is like, I don't, just because you're not a foreign national, just because you are a foreign national, it wouldn't mean that you couldn't be cast as long as you could fit the brief that you were auditioning for. I think as well, um, maybe target casting directors mm -hmm. because um, what you have is, is actually a niche, you're rare, um, but they probably, casting directors don't know about you. Um, and I think it's something actors, a casting directors discourage this because they can't be bothered. But if you can research who they are um, and contact them direct saying, you know, I'm, I'm niche. And nowadays, and again, post lockdown, uh, the Zoom casting is so common. If you can send a tiny little film clip of yourself, you know, nine out of 10 of them, they probably won't watch it, but it's the tenth one who does that will get you known. And then hopefully when the right role comes up, bosh. Mm -hmm. There's another one um, from Lara Davis, who is from France who is also uh, looking at the particular challenges of that. Is anyone? So lots of jobs are Welsh-based, hey. So now I've lived in Wales for 30 years. And actually for me, that's been a, a, a kind of crippling disaster because all the work is in London. Um, so I don't think you do need to relocate, Lara. I think you just need to tackle London head on. Yeah, as long as you buy a, a, a city, um, you know, from what I can see on the different, you know, because the different sites I post on, there's there are constantly jobs in London, Manchester, Glasgow, Cardiff, Bristol, you know? So I think all the principles are the same, really, no matter where you're based. It makes it more difficult if you're kind of further out of a city, you know, you've got to commute a lot of the time. Um, but obviously when you're on your location, you're on location that could be anywhere. Mm. Yeah, but currently I think more so in non-scripted. Um, because of COVID, it doesn't particularly matter where you are. If you look at sort of our factual or, you know, anything that's, like Zoe just said, if you're on location, yes, you need to get to location. But none of us are working in the office really at the moment anyway. So your research or your AP or anything can be anywhere. So now is a really good time to try and get those roles because it doesn't matter hugely where you are you've got more leeway now before we sort of all do end up at some point back in the office you know the, the opportunities are out there and I, I think also just you know your very specific thing which is like do I need to relocate in order to apply I mean the answer to that as far as I'm concerned is like no as long as you say that you're willing to relocate and then all these other answers apply which is like a lot of the times right now people are working from home and so it's not really an issue um anyway but like I definitely wouldn't relocate for a job that you don't have yet. I think um there is a parallel BAFTA Guru Live that, that's sent out from London. I think this one is slightly misleading perhaps because we're talking BAFTA Cymru and BAFTA Scotland. Um, so going back to a, a question at the top of the list, um, somebody is asking, how difficult is it to migrate between TV and film? Um, so I, I feel like that's a scripted question. I, I, I think that um, historically it was quite difficult. 
um, lots of people stayed in their own lanes. Um, film looked down on TV. TV thought whatever they thought about film. But actually, the 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 walls have come down. You know, you look at an actress like Nicole Kidman or whatever doing Big Little Lies and all of these great shows on HBO and things like that these days. So actually, you find regularly that people move between the two. This is more specific to um, crew, though. So the carpenter, you know, the sparks, costume, hair, makeup. When it comes to like editorial, like so, like what producers do a little bit more, um, script editors, things like that. They don't exist in the film world in quite the same way. So, like, it depends on what side of the tracks you want to be on. But if it's crew that you want to do, then absolutely, like you will be able to move across these days. Um, the, the, there's another question here about the dear sir or madam problem. Um, and somebody is saying that they are struggling to find the right person to email. Um, and company websites and LinkedIn don't always give the answer. Uh, what are usually the job titles, sorry, dogs and doorbell what are usually the dog titles of the people that do read the cv maybe that's yes Zoe and Sion? yeah um so big companies will have a talent team of sorts um lots of the big indies do now actually um but otherwise it'll, it'll often be a production manager when you agree Shuan. um some you know execs do get a lot of unfielded emails as well but they might not always look at them um but i think the people at entry level the people who hire the runners and in our case like junior researchers and stuff tends to be the production managers yeah i think in our company we have um we do have everyone sort of on the website um but most of these tend to go into hr and we you know hr do sort of forward them to myself and I have a look and then I sort of feel them out to the people I think that they might be relevant or interesting to. Um, so hopefully, you know, I don't, I'm not sure about other websites, but they should be a point of contact. And I think your sort of head of production, production manager, HR is the best point of contact. I think, um, sadly, the, the truth about that question is, it's a lot of work for you. Um, we don't necessarily, because we live in creative chaos, we don't necessarily make it easy for you to know who is the right person. Um, and sadly, yeah, this is again, it's to do with the competitiveness, I think, um, you will have to do an awful lot of legwork and possibly even telephone companies to find out who is the right person. Um, and sometimes people, like uh, a lot of the time I get asked, do, do you know of somebody who recruits in Bristol, for example? And then it's it's great if you can get someone to introduce you via email because it sort of validates you a bit. You know, you're not just cold calling. And people won't mind doing that. You know, I don't mind doing that at all. If someone said to me, do you mind getting me a, a contact at Boom? I, you know, I would happily send their CV to Shuan and say, may I introduce you to so-and-so, they're interested in working with you. So use, don't be afraid to use your contacts. Um, and, you know, people will try and help if they can. Yeah. And I think sometimes as well, you come across great new people who you really want to help keep them in the industry. So, 
you know, sometimes you get some DNA and for two, three weeks as a runner and you just think, oh, I wish I had more for them. So, you know, I've, with people who've really, really impressed me, I've had their CV and sort of sent it out to other people like so yeah. Yeah. and said, you know what, if you're looking for somebody, this person is absolutely great. Yeah. And um, we've had so many really, really good questions. And I think we're going to try to answer as best we can um, type type them afterwards but I just wanted to end up with this one um what do we have to say about older experienced people who may be crossing from another industry or returning to work um how, how does an older person find a way in any thoughts I'd say it's pretty much the same. No different, really. No, we don't have any upper age limits on any of our schemes or there's no, um, I mean, you might have to take a step back to go forward. You might may have to take a bit of a salary cut if you've been on a quite a high salary or um, because you do need to have tread the, tread the boards, as it were. You, you, you can't, there aren't really many shortcuts. So you may have to take a step back to go forward, but all the same principles i think as well it is about you know focusing on what are your skills um you will have them you know you've been in the working world what are your skills and then what does that suit you to in the new world you want to step into uh brilliant thank you all so very much um let me read my notes sorry uh really many many thanks to our speakers um you've done us a great job thank you to our partners screen alliance wales that we talk about a lot pontio and bangor university um we really hope you've enjoyed listening uh, thank you for your questions please do carry on the conversation uh using the hashtag guru live and that's i think us Thank you all so much. Good luck, everyone. Yes. Good luck. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.